Welcome to the Novel Discourse Podcast, where we discuss great stories and how they're told. I'm Sam, he's Andy, and Andy, I think you know what we have to start this podcast with. I think you know what I absolutely have to get off my chest. You'll have to forgive me, I have not slept at all because my kid threw a fit all night and then I fell asleep on my couch and woke up literally three minutes before we started recording, so I'm still t- untangling cobwebs. Well, you know who's who's both not getting a lot of sleep and throwing fits these days? It's Ezra Miller. Oh. <laughs> my man's is uh, doing burglaries in Vermont, last I heard. The Ezra Miller watch that we've had on for several weeks now um you know we, we moved it down from defcon 5 to about a level three over the last few weeks because he's been really quiet um kind of like the baby where we've been monitoring the situation very closely out of concerns that the silence was kind of a calm before the storm and lo and behold um he's been charged with felony burglary he Broke into an unoccupied residence in, I guess, the town that he has that farm. You know, the farm that he allegedly kidnapped um, a mother and their child and (laughs) maybe even raised a, you know, he had a, what was it, like a 14-year-old that he was giving drugs to and all this stuff. Anyways, I don't really know the whole details, but I I kind of starting to lose track of all the things that he's been formally arrested with and things he's been charged with, you know, between this and the, uh, the alleged cult that he has been starting in Iceland, you know, and I'm not referring to the Iceland incident where he choked a woman outside of a bar either. Um, just to make, just to kind of clarify on that. Uh, so yeah, he's been charged with another crime. I think this is like the fourth in the last two ish years. And, uh, I, 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 I have to continue to point out that, Hey, find yourself a girl or guy or partner that will be as loyal to you as Warner brothers has been to Ezra Miller, because they're not, they continue to just not drop him. They're like, no, he's our guy. They are putting so much of their stakes into this Flash movie. It's supposed to be the best movie of of next year. Also, just like a one-man bulwark against the concept of cancellation. Just like anytime people are like, oh, you got to watch what you say. You got to watch what you do these days. And you're like, do you? Let me introduce you to Ezra Miller. <laughs> Ezra like, Miller. Well, you know, the person is forced to concede that, like, in some, at least in some situations, like, some people are truly bulletproof, and Ezra Miller is one of them. I think it's because he gives off this, I mean, we talked about this before, but this air of he's a learned individual, and if you just pull up his images on Google, he looks like, just the way he dresses is very high fashion, and, and look at this, dude, I, I pulled up this article about he removed his or he deleted his Instagram, I guess, earlier this year, and he had to release a mini statement about it. And he said, quote, my spirit, mind, body, soul and success are not altered by anyone's envy. I am protected from all the negative energy people are attempting to throw at me subconsciously and consciously. I clear any and all hidden peers who are hidden enemies. It's like, this is not the same guy that punched the Elvis actor in a bar in Tokyo. Like, this is... Have you seen that video where the guy meets him at Comic-Con and is like... No. Dude, I'll I'll have to find it and send it to you. There's a dude that goes up to him and he's like, hey, man, huge fan or something. And he's like filming already with like a camera phone. And Ezra Miller has the scariest look on his face. I, I think he asks Ezra Miller, like, can I have an autograph or something? And uh, Ezra Miller just goes, well, there's always the other option. I could beat the shit out of you. Oh my god! And the guy and the guy's like, huh, like tries to laugh it off, and Ezra Miller's like, no, we could do that. Like, just keeps like takes it way too far. I, those are not the exact words. It's way worse than that. I'll send it to you. It's amazing. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, the the story out of Iceland where he beat up a 18-year-old girl or maybe I'm getting everything mixed up cuz he had another situation in Iceland with a girl where he was like abusive toward like allegedly abusive towards the woman he was bro american celebrities go to iceland to act the fuck up i don't know what it is but like that's because the flights are cheap it's because you get these like four dollar flights man yeah i i I remember like uh another uh you know constantly in the tabloids name bam margera got into like some horrendous set of long-running legal disputes and fight centered uh incidents in iceland several years ago so clearly it's just like a place where uh if you're, uh, you know, either on the rise or on the fall, you find yourself in the frigid cold, hammered on vodka, fighting in various locales. It, Iceland has, has is, is way too small of a populace to be doing that. You have to imagine there's like three celebrities getting in bar fights per capita in Iceland. Bro, and like there's point. like there's like seven last names in Iceland. Like, why would you want to start a fight there? Like, fourteen percent of the population is going to come kick your ass if you fight anybody. So, like, <laughs> yeah, terrible decision. Speaking of terrible decisions, I did myself a little bit of a disservice in preparing for this podcast because I am one of the proud few that has gone through three seasons of The Boys without looking up any spoilers about what happens in the comics, but in order to be a good podcast host to prepare for this episode, I spent about two hours reading up on um, what does happen in the comics so I don't hit any potholes, but... um, I would say that given how much they've already deviated, like, you're good. Like, there's going to be stuff. There's going to be stuff referenced. Like, I'll use Herogasm as an example. Like, when they told the public that they were going to do a Herogasm episode this year, people freaked out. Because, like, in the comics, Herogasm is one week every year where there's an existential threat. Like, an alien's going to attack Earth or there's a comet coming and all the heroes of the planet leave Earth to go fight that alien. Really, there's no alien. They all go to an island and they have a week-long, like, orgy, co- unlimited coke, like, crazy. It's it's a nuts couple issues of the comic. And when they said they were going to do a Herogasm episode of the show, people were like, holy shit, this is going to be crazy. And then in the show, it's like a – it's like – 12 minutes of screen time it's a yeah. orgy at a house you know what i mean so like and they don't name a lot of the be... people it's not a big cameo drop no like that. no and it's it's like so there'll be references they'll use some stuff but i feel like they are completely on their own at this point and for once i think that's a good thing unlike you know like a game of thrones situation where when they ran out of source material they just like completely screwed the pooch this i think is is actually a good thing um yeah. we want to just dive right into our thoughts on comic versus uh, a show here you know before we do that i guess we'll give a kind of a, a broader overview real quick the boys has been obviously a smash it over on amazon prime if you haven't seen it you probably need to stop listening to this because it's going to obviously be very spoiler ridden um season three wrapped up about a month ago i want to say i i honestly i was a little bit behind the curve so um just double checking this is based off of a comic book series called the boys by Garth Ennis, who also did, I believe, Preacher. Is that the name of the other series that he was made he did famous Preacher. For? He did some. Uh, he did some Punisher. He did Hitman. He does a lot of like edgy stuff. Non superhero stuff is basically his thing. He like I guess he's really most known for. He did a nine year run of the Punisher, which is is a flagship at Marvel. That's a big tentpole franchise, and he he yep. ran it. I think when it comes to kind of the alternative superhero thing, before kind of the rise of that being very popular in pop culture with things with stuff like The Watchmen, 
getting super huge, um, Invincible getting really big, The Boys getting its own TV show. 20 years ago when these were being written as like comic books exclusively and only a few people knew about them, there were kind of two versions of this idea. One was Watchmen by Alan Moore and one was The Boys. And not to oversimplify it, but The Watchmen is the anti-superhero story if you're like kind of smart. And Garth Ennis's comic book is like kind of edgy teenager bullshit. One is dark comedy. One is one is like extremely gritty and really gets to the heart of issues. Yeah, and and like when you listen to Alan Moore talk about like why he wrote Watchmen, he like he detests the idea of superheroes. Not as far as like superheroes are lame, which is kind of how Garth Ennis feels. Alan Moore detests superheroes for the reason that he expresses in Watchmen, which is like. Everyone should have oversight. Who watches the Watchmen? Like, this idea that there should be, like, a, you know, some version of, like, God that, like, flies around and punches, you know, people I don't like is ultimately very harmful and only romantic in the world that exists in comic books where people are truly altruistic, have no alternative agendas, are totally immune to being, like, compromised by any outside force, etc. And so the Watchmen goes into the idea of, like, dropping the existence of superheroes into the geopolitical and et cetera world that we occupy. The boys kind of like takes that to like a super ridiculous extreme. And it basically just comes out the other end with just like really edgy teenager shit where every superhero is like, dude, what if Batman was actually sucking dicks? (laughs) And you're just like, okay. Like the comic book is – uh, again, like the the TV show basically just took the the basic bare bones concept that he came up with, which is right. really cool. Um, but they made a ton of really good decisions around what to keep and what to not keep. Um, you want to jump right into that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the boys is o- overall like a story around. It examines kind of the commercialization of of superheroes as a concept. So we we see a world where superheroes are not only commonplace but have been commodified. They are create like we don't know the I guess the general public doesn't know they're created at the beginning of the story, but they're all represented by this mega corporation called Vod American. They get movie deals. They you know you walk into a gas station and it's like hey buy Gatorade buy you know A Train. Um, yeah, they're like the shining beacon of hope. I mean, they are the way that it sets up in season one. The public doesn't, like you said, they don't know that these powers have been created. They've they've been created in a lab. A lot of these heroes and people thought that these people were chosen by God, and that even ties into the the relationship that Vought has with the church, which I, the name yeah. is escaping me. Um, and that plays obviously a huge role in seasons one and seasons two in particular. But this idea that superheroes were this shining beacon of hope um which again kind of plays into i think the the biggest superhero tropes that exist across media is that when you give somebody superhero powers they will almost inevitably use that for good in fact a lot of superhero origin stories you have a relatively responsible person that gets powers and then they stay relatively responsible and then you might have a villain that interacts in a bad way with a superhero or a bad circumstance and they become a villain. Whereas I feel like the boys, it's flipped that a little bit where you've got these people that in, when they interact with the, the people with powers or they are in a bad situation, they, they become part of the boys, which is the vigilante group that doesn't have powers. So the good guys in the story. 
and then the people that have the powers uh, end up becoming assholes, which is probably a little bit more realistic to how it would be in real life. But to your point about about Vought for a second, um, they were. My understanding is that in the comics, they are um, a little bit more like just kind of like the overall conglomerate of running the seven particular in particular. Um, but then in the series, it sounds like they're kind of like a stand-in for like Disney MCU while also being the Vought that we recognize in the comics. Is that a good way of putting it? I would say in the comics, they, the comics, they start off as a, like a totally bog standard military contractor. They make weapons, they make rifles, but they suck at it. They're like the most shitty, like cut every corner to make the most money contractor. And it bites them in the ass during Vietnam. So they make this a big bunch of rifles. They get this huge contract. They make a bunch of money. The rifles go over to American soldiers. They all jam and all the American soldiers at this one big, like very highly publicized battle in Vietnam get killed. They get, cause their guns don't work. Um, and so Vaude is kind of like ruined. And so they put all their eggs in the basket of creating superhumans and they do. Obviously, for a more modern take on this story, they wanted to be like, okay, this company that's creating superheroes, like how would they – what would they do with the infrastructure around superheroes? And so they – I thought the show did something really interesting, which is not only like media, like you mentioned, like kind of an MCU. They create movies. They do all this product placement. But they also are in the business of superheroing. So we have great scenes in the show where they're going to like mayors of cities and being like, look, if you sign this 10-year, you know, $50 million deal, I can get you – you know, a train, but if, uh, if you can only do three, then we'll get you this other shittier superhero. Cause we've already yeah. got Atlanta on the phone and they, you know, they're, you know, and it's like, they're very cynical. It's all about the money. The heroes are revealed to be the same way. They're like kind of, these are supposed to be like superheroes, right? Like the, the children, you know, children's heroes they look up to and they're in a boardroom somewhere being like, you guys get 3% of merch. I only get two and a half percent of merch. This is bullshit. Like who's your lawyer? You know what I mean? So like, from that perspective, that deviates a little bit. But both versions of Vought are very highly focused on one thing, and that's getting superheroes into national defense. Like, they know that ultimately, like, the big money, the amounts of money available to them from, like, selling lunchboxes and movie deals pales in comparison to where if they can get, like, a defense contract, right? Like, if the Pentagon pays them, you know, some chunk of the military budget every year to have Homelander, you know, fighting right. terrorism. That's where the real money is. Now, in the comics, this is one thing I will say. One moment I do really like in the comics is there's a scene that we see in the TV show where Queen Maeve and Homelander are sent to uh, rescue a a hijacked airliner. It's got some terrorists on it. They go in there. They kind of fuck it up. And they end up abandoning the plane and just letting it go. In the comics, that plane is one of the hijacked 9-11 airliners. And so, like... In the comics, that one extra thing here I'll say is that Vought is way more, like, kind of nefarious and deeply ingrained into the American political system. So, like, Vought is so powerful that in the comic books they have uh, gotten, like, a Vought American agent as the vice president of the United States. Like, he effectively, like, Dick Cheney, I guess, on 9-11. And they incapacitate the president at the moment of the attack. And so now Vought's man is giving the orders, like, at the moment of, like, how to respond to 9-11. And, of course, Vought is like, yeah, we would like to, you know, use our superheroes to stop this. Because if they can stop 9-11 using the 7, that's it. Like, they're going to get an open check from the... But 
it doesn't work, and so their plans are delayed like another 10 years, and that's when the story takes place. It's kind of in these intervening years where they're like, they've messed up on 9-11, and now they're trying to find another way in, and they end up ultimately assassinating the president of the United States in order to like get a Vought man in the chair so they can like Jeez. force their way in. Now, obviously we haven't seen the end of the TV show. It's I, I would say we're probably not close, right? It's only season three. I will say that I already like the direction that the show has taken a little more. One, just from a character standpoint. I mean, you and I have talked privately a lot about how like Homelander's character has a ton more depth in the TV show than he did in the comics. And some decisions that were made around like how, like the characters having personal interactions. So like for instance, like uh, in the TV show, Billy Butcher's wife was uh, you know, raped by Homelander and then they have a kid, and now there's this kid, right? We see the kid a lot. Right. In the comic books, Homelander rapes Billy Butcher's wife. The baby, like, punches its way out of Billy Butcher's wife and kills her and is, like, floating around the room shooting laser eyes with an umbilical cord still in, and Billy Butcher kills it with a crowbar. Which is, like, such a lost opportunity of the character exactly. arcs and the character webs that you could have. And to your point, again, kind of based on what I've read, I... I I won't pretend to be a complete expert on everything on the comics, but from everything I've seen about Homelander is a great example that they're, they use, they have so much more depth in the, in the stories. Well, and I'll tell you where they really, where they really have already made it way better. So again, if you do not want these spoil, if you don't want the end of the comic spoiled for you, turn off the podcast or skip ahead a minute or two. The ultimate ending of the boys comics is the revelation that, so we've already seen who Black Noir is, at least like his his underneath the mask identity is in the boys' TV show. Right, he's just a guy that was was you know part of the Vietnam coup, and yeah, he's just a regular guy. Yeah. Now in in the comic books, Homelander has mostly the same origin story. He was created by Vought. They he was raised right next to a nuclear missile so that they could detonate it if they needed to to take him out. Well, as they were going to reveal him to the world because he was their greatest creation. They were really concerned about him going against the company because he was like kind of unpredictable, and he was so powerful that they were just like, if this dude ever decided to just tell us to fuck ourselves, we're really up a creek. So they took some of the Compound V and DNA from Homelander and created a perfect but improved clone of Homelander. That clone is Black Noir. So if he takes off that mask, he looks just like Homelander. That is a good twist, though. It is, but w- listen to what they do with it. So that clone is trained from birth to just silently guard Homelander, be by Homelander at all times, and if he ever goes off script, kill him. That's his whole mission in life. And slowly over time, Homelander never does. He's just, it's been 20 years, and Homelander's still on team, you know, team bot. So he, this, this dude starts to go a little nutso. Black Noir does. So Black Noir at night steals Homelander's uniform and does sadistic fucked up shit in order to like create the illusion that Homelander's gone crazy so that he'll be given the kill order. So things like raping Billy Butcher's wife, doing all the fucked up, all revealed. It turns out Homelander's a good guy. That is, that's pretty stupid. Yeah. So penultimate moment, Billy Butcher, who has been injected with... Uh, Temporary V, which is way less cool in the comics. They just, like, take it, and there's no consequences, and they're just tight now. They go to the White House. 
Black Noir Homelander has fucking murdered the president. And real Homelander is horrified by this. And then he's like, oh my god. And Black Noir Homelander kills him. But in the fight between Homelander and Black Noir, Black Noir is seriously injured. And then Black Noir is like stumbling around being crazy. And Billy Butcher pops his head off with a crowbar. And that's the end. Superheroes lose. Also, all the superheroes like... Uh, Homelander had obviously whipped up all the superheroes into revolution. They were going to like attack the United States, and the su- and the military off screen has been developing like for fifty years like anti superhero weaponry, and so they like fuck up all the superheroes in like thirty seconds. Oh, that's, that's so it. dumb. That that is it. I guess I'll lump both of those big reveals that you just gave. Why I think those are dumb from a writing perspective is because they aren't really fake character deaths but they are definitely fake kind of character arcs which is kind of a similar it's like of the same vein where you have this very well established character that should have very nuanced and understandable wants and needs and desires but then all of a sudden you just are like nope that guy that you thought existed is not even a thing it's actually two guys and it's Agreed. not and the fact that it and the fact that it's not a reveal that happens like halfway through and then they have time to flesh out they just they do it in the final act is um Definitely I really rushed. also I also really hate that I understand that like Homelander is not a normal guy and so maybe his reactions to things aren't going to be normal but we are shown and led to believe that upon being like shown himself doing all these horrible acts Homelander's reaction to that is not to like go seek help investigate or, like, yeah yeah he immediately goes, well, I guess I'm a, f- a fucking crazy person and begins leading a superhero revolt against humanity. Like, that's his response. It's just not very well thought out. Again, it's written by a guy that's just, like, edgy as fuck and just hates the concept of superheroes and wants them to just, like, go away. And so he wants that, like, to get to to Gavin, to Garth Ennis, the idea of, like, and then all the superheroes, like, think they're going to fight the Air Force, but the Air Force, like, fucks him up, dude, is, like, the coolest thing he's ever thought of in his entire life. And it's just not. Like, it's just not that tight. So that sucks. I also, there is, like, no, in the comics, there's no thought given to, like, superhero participation in greater culture and society. Like, the superheroes are apolitical effectively they take like no stance on anything i mean they effectively do like represent like america and baseball and apple pie but like other than that like there's no there's no nod to them like taking any stance for or against anything sure i mean like today lebron james has to has to talk about what's going on in hong kong right or like you know a they're gonna ask a music artist or a uh, somebody that's in television about their, you know, how they feel about BLM. And if superheroes existed, you don't think that a microphone would be put it in their face and be like, Hey, what do you think about these marches? Well, and Absolutely. even from a more nefarious perspective, like when a guy like Homelander wants to like, he can feel like the weight of scandal bearing down on him. Like he's going to leverage what he can, which is like, Oh, they're trying to silence me because I'm a fucking American. I'm a Patriot and I speak my mind. And like, Obviously, he has this relationship with Stormfront who kind of unlocks that for him, like shows him like, no, there are people out there that love that shit. Like he's kind of walking on eggshells in the first season where he's like, look, I am a a sadistic psychopath, but I can't show people that or it'll be bad. And she's like, oh, no, there are people that love that shit. Just like say it the right way. (laughs) Like she's 100 percent right. And I I thought they did a really they've done so many interesting like cutaways, like the the cutaway sequence they did where you see that guy go through his daily life every day for like five days 
and he's like ingesting all that like hateful media of just like oh immigrants are fucking blah 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 and he goes into that grocery store every day and then he shoots that guy in the face i was like damn dude they're like really out here with this shit so uh that was very fascinating also like Stormfront is a character in the comic, but it's a total gag. Like it's a it's a very it's very obvious that it's a Nazi, but like it's like no no I'm from West Germany blah 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 like, and it's a total side character. The concept of like taking that in, bringing it in, bringing Stormfront into the Seven, making her a female, making her a Nazi that's like survived, and now she's trying to like reanimate her whole like Ubermensch thing through the superhero movement, which like they actually are Supermen, so like fuck how do we deal with that and especially with a it's fascinating yeah and for a short while the stormfront thing was done in such a tasteful way in the sense that oftentimes when there is a a person with a nefarious want or need especially if they have a huge platform politically or whatever they're not going to just be espousing their their bs right off the bat they're going to be a cool customer they're going to be loved they're going to appear to be if you want to use the term of today, they're going to appear to be open-minded. They're going to appear to be kind of everything you would want them to be or that the masses would want them to be. And then over time, the, the facade starts to deteriorate. And with Stormfront, I thought it was awesome because when you first meet Stormfront in the show, you kind of think she's a progressive. She's like not willing to fall into the women's rights things. Yeah. yeah, And she's got the cool haircut with the side, you know, the sides been trimmed off. And I thought she was going to be a super far left you know feminist but then the more she starts talking and having private sidebars like there's something up with her and then it it takes about she's like using like kind of like she's like weaponizing 4chan and like oh man they had it down they did a really good job with that character and then like to see her in this season where she's like all fucked up and she's like giving homelander a hand job while speaking german and he's like no, no. Uh, She's like you're gonna be the ubermensch at the head of a thousand Aryan army. He's like no, God, stop it. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> hot, hot take about Stormfront in this television show. I think there's about a 10 or 15% chance that she's not dead. I am convinced that her and Black Noir are both not dead. I think they're too... I think they spent too much time on those characters to have them be gone completely, but I could be wrong. Um, I did love the penultimate like Stormfront, Starlight, who's the other chick that... Oh, Queen Maeve fight. I thought that was super cool that they that were was like... Cool. Kind of the three, like the almost like first wave, second wave, like feminism versus like anti-feminism trifecta fight that they had. I thought they did that really well. And they've done Starlight so well. I mean, obviously in the comics, she effectively fulfills the same role of being this like very innocent small town girl from middle America whose like kind of innocence is taken from her through the course of this whole thing. But I've really loved her character development through the whole thing where she's, like, she's having to just, like, reassess, like, every piece of her identity. The use of, they I they kept, they were mostly uh, faithful to the Capes for Christ sequence, which I thought was really interesting, like, because I could totally see them doing that. Like, if superheroes were real, like, their integration into not actual Christian religion, but, like, mass-marketed, you know, kind of televangelism, like, kind of your, your megachurch-type yeah. pastor thing. I thought that was super interesting. Can we talk about that for a second? Just the megachurch? Yes, because that is an interesting topic. There is, I think, you know, I, I've seen a lot of pushback, and some of it I totally understand about the way that they represent Christianity in particular. Um, and I, I, I will say, though, 
it to me it's pretty obvious that what they're trying to represent with christianity isn't necessarily all christians or all christianity it's more yeah. this this extremely i wouldn't say small sect but this specific segment that is almost like prosperity gospel mixed in Definitely. with like political culture those kind of christians that are like you know you're not a, you're not a true christian if you don't go out and vote for this team Correct. like that kind of christian i guess um yeah i would totally agree and especially like how easily the lines are blurred i think they intentionally did this too like how how easily the lines are blurred between what we see to be like this mass market version of christianity that the superheroes are involved in and then also their stand-in for scientology which i can't remember what they named the yeah. scientology stand-in but like you effectively see that like regardless of kind of what what flavor you pick it's kind of all the same thing it's like yeah this is effectively a method of control and we're we're down to utilize that if it if it serves our ends and so i think that they were very intentional about that where they were just like clearly this like these are two small sects of humanity and we're showing that like all extremist sects end up looking the same from when you squint you know or you get close enough up to them i, w- I will say though about the uh, one more thing about the the way that they get they do the case for christ as i was watching some of those scenes and some of the dialogue i was it definitely was a little bit irking and i was like oh this is like really getting to the point of basically calling you know me an idiot or my family an idiot but then i started thinking about it more and i was like okay if this is offensive i have to at least acknowledge that three-fifths of the offensive lines if not more are dedicated purely towards poking fun at left woke culture that's like that's more of the joke yeah, of the entire yeah, show sure i mean all sure. of vaude is like this fake woke like i care about you know they they even will call out like blm you know like definitely they're acting like they care about it and they're really not they're just a big corporation looking for money so you know if you're going to get offended by things they do to poke fun at people on the right you have to acknowledge that more often than not on the show i feel like they're poking fun at the left at least to definitely. me anyways. definitely yeah no i think i think that they've they've ultimately shown that like these people don't believe in anything like it's not whether no matter what political stripe or you know spiritual stripe you come in like the ultimate message of the of the boys is that power at the at the peak of power doesn't believe in anything except for power itself like ultimately they're not trying to do anything but generate more money and consolidate more power underneath Vought's inside of Vought's fist and so like regardless of whether or not they I mean they have realized obviously that like placating the masses through like whether it's you know paying lip service to important social issues that mean a lot to them or and 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 class in classic corporation fashion right it's like yeah we super care about you know social justice topics and meanwhile their own superheroes are out there like racially profiling targeting black people in black communities and like curb stomping them into pieces like that's very right. on brand and then yeah again like on the other side like They've definitely like played into that like, hey, if you're a you know, the the stripe of Christianity that's like where politics and religion are the same thing to you, like that's your method of control. Like they've found this for this side of the aisle and this for this side of the aisle. Uh, yeah, ultimately I think it's about the cynical nature of power that like they're they don't have any agenda but their own. They're not there to save the world they're not there to save you know save the souls of the world they're there to help themselves it's going to be really interesting what they see what they do going forward because like i said i think that they've as the seasons have gone on like less and less of the plot has been devoted to anything related to the original source material like in the first season it's like mostly like basically aligns like they change where huey's from and what he does but like the overall like sequence of events is mostly 
aligns. However, like now that we're once we got into like the Stormfront arc and now we're into this new one, like this is totally original. So I think that's really cool. I think they've done an amazing job with these characters. And they're effectively writing their own characters now. Like they took the names and like basic like orient like you know outlines of these characters, and they filled the vessel themselves. And I think that's really cool. Was Soldier Boy in the comics? Yeah, but only as a he was never back. You know what I mean? He was like exactly, a reference more than yeah. Did. He was he. They have a statue of him. He was one of the first. He helped fight the Nazis during World War II, and that's it. Like yeah. So he's Captain. He's just their Captain America. Like everything in the boys is a very thinly veiled like. They have an X-Men stand-in. I'd have to look up what it's called. But it basically turns out that, like, Charles Xavier is a, a child molester that's, like, molesting all these kids that come to oh stay at gosh. the school. Like, that's – it's, roll, like, it's, just always, eyes, yeah. it's just always shit like that with these guys. Like, um, and some of it is fun, uh, and, and, and a lot of it's not, and it is incredibly grinding. I'm glad they took out some stuff even of the main characters. I thought they'd done a great job with Frenchie keeping, like, his, like, weird, like – drug thing and his like weird like beyond bizarre like technical acumen that he gets from seemingly nowhere he like always knows how to make a thing or a chemical or a drug that'll solve a problem i love that mother's milk they did a really good job with him because he's honestly like kind of weird as fuck in the comics his whole thing is that his mom was uh kind of like a reference to like tuskegee airmen like you know like unauthorized medical experiments in the black community in the fifties and sixties. She was like experimented on with Vought or with compound V and now her like milk gives, uh, her kids superpowers. And so like this dude literally spends like half the comic, like drinking his mom's breast milk at like age 50. Just like shit like that. where you are just like, I don't need this. Like this doesn't serve any purpose. Like, and not that everything needs that. I, yeah, I, I and I mean, don't get me wrong. The TV, not that the TV show is like some streamlined. They don't do anything just for to, to be wild. Like the scene in season three, where their Ant Man stand in is like tickling the inside of a dude's dick, and oh then actually God. sneezes and yeah. it blows the dude into pieces from doing too much blow. We're doing plenty of that kind of stuff. Like, don't yeah. get me wrong, but I think that that is done in a they they know exactly how much of it to use it's confined like this the funny parts of the boys are funny and the serious fucked up parts of the boys are fucked up and serious and i think that they've done a really good job because it isn't just this like kind of meandering show like every episode moves the plot along really well here there's not a lot of filler which i really like about the tv show i always come away from every episode being like nice okay cool more happened like every season is eight episodes and every i would say there there's there are subplots and there are moments of certain episodes where you're like man i can't wait for this little subplot to be over to get back to this thing but they always converge they always come back together i think a good example of a a character that kind of represents what they do in the comic versus what they do in the show really well I mean, Homelander is a great example, but I wanted to start with Queen Maeve. In in the comics, she's just like a alcoholic that you know she has kind of a similar past with the 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 botched airplane save got to her and she became a fraction of who she was. But in the comics, that's all she is is like an alcoholic that's super selfish. But in this show, it explores she is at the front lines of trying to protect her relationship from Vought while trying to make sure that Homelander doesn't go off the rails. Um, Interaction, her interactions with the seven, of course, and how they play into that. She's like a much more nuanced character, and and although she is kind of an alcoholic, I think they they even make a point to uh, t- towards the end of season three to point out that 
she, I think she tells somebody like, you really think I'm that much of an alcoholic? I haven't had a drink in, you know, four weeks. I've been training yeah. for this fight with Homelander. So yeah. I think that was another kind of poke at the, the original story to be like, no, we're not, we're not doing it the way that. Yeah. Like even in, in the original comic, they do this horrifically corny shit where, um, she, uh, spends the whole time like being like I have this magic sword that's going to be able to defeat Homelander and then at the end when she fights Homelander it turns out to be a prop and it's just like no oh my God. Oh, come on dude she would have figured that out like oh she doesn't know it's a prop no she yeah they 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 in, they like basically she spends the whole time in like I have this cool sword and then there and she fights Homelander he breaks it in half and she's like no I thought it was a magic sword or oh, some shit that's and you're just so like dumb. No, shut that's the so fuck dumb. up like if she's like if she's in on that, fine. You know what I mean? Like yeah, she's using that as say. like a, a feint, but like no, the idea that she thinks she has this magic sword and it's not is fucking dumb as shit. Like, oh, God, yeah, no, nothing like that in the in this story. I will say there was. I was trying to think of things that I didn't like about the show. Um, and funny enough, the two biggest things I had are bookended on the beginning of season one and the end of season three. Um. I'm going to start with the end of season three because I think this is a little bit more universal. I, I would imagine you would probably agree with me on this. You know my stance on fake character deaths. I hate the shit out of fake character deaths. I think they are. I think it is a sign of you don't know what to do with this character. You want to invoke an audience reaction. You want to have a cool moment of sacrifice or whatever, and then you're too scared to get rid of them and. That's kind of what it felt like when they when you find out at the end of the final episode of season three that Queen Maeve and Soldier Boy are alive um, after Soldier Boy blows them both up. Um, now, I will yeah. say, as sort of a, if you want to call this a defense, I, I don't think it's a very strong defense to play devil's advocate. You could point out that Queen Maeve was clearly she's on her way out she had she basically went into hiding and then there was a scene where it showed the the lady who's now the ceo of Ot, like deleting the file basically being like i'm gonna let her go away and then there and then it showed soldier boy going back into cryo and i don't think that's enough because i think it i think that is the showrunner's way of of having those characters still exist as a silver bullet in case they want it or they need it in later seasons and i just am like no i think that when you have that explosion and have everybody react the way they do, yeah, I know they're superheroes, but just leave them dead. It would have been it would have been a lot more compelling if we had Black Noir, Queen Maeve, and Soldier Boy all die. Um, Two things I did like about the end of the season, though, and I agree with you on on that dynamic for sure. Is one uh, Newman like sliding into the like going for VP? I really that, like yeah. because that was so effectively cool. they're creating the Vic the Veep character, but in their own way. So like Vought has a person inside the white house now, which I think is really cool. And especially because she is also a soup, like a really powerful, dangerous soup, I think is really cool. Was her powers um, in the comics, which that was that a character? She's not a character at all. Um, Got it. they've completely invented her for the comics, which I think is really tight. I, I think her whole dynamic is really interesting of being yeah. this kind of like quasi, I guess she's kind of like a, a softer AOC, but like, you know, yeah, she's actually secretly like a corporate, uh, like the, the, the worst possible outcome is that AOC turns out to be a corporate shill, right? Like that's her like greatest that can blow turn, heads up. Yeah. Greatest heel turn. Um, and I love and, that her power is like, we don't know this for sure, but her power is 
in theory, kind of unstoppable. And it leaves this yeah. thing in the audience's head that's like, well, dude, if she fought Homelander, she might beat him. That, well, that, and what know, is that, the only weakness we have seen of a superhero in this show is that, like, they're not invincible on the inside, right? Like, when they killed the Invisible Man, um, yeah. which, man, I'll... The thing that really hooked me to this show was when Billy Butcher hit that motherfucker with the car and then gets out and goes, well, 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 if it ain't the invisible cunt. I was like, oh, this show is awesome <laughs> as shit. I love this. Like, they cast Billy so well. Um, yeah, he's great. Uh, but yeah, so like the fact that she blows your head up from the inside, yeah, you're suddenly like, can she kill anybody? Is she like the goat of soup? So we'll see. And then I love the rally scene with Homelander and Ryan where that dude like is talking mad shit and Homelander just fucking fries him from like 10 feet away and people are like hesitant. And then they're like, yeah, I was like, oh, it shows fuck, the husband, like, the, yeah, uh, mother milks, uh, I guess her, his ex-wife's now yeah, like, her, boyfriend, her, who's, who's like a, basically just a total piece of shit, dude, just like the worst exposing your kid to just like, I think both of us have disdain for the extremists of both of our sides of the table. And I think we would both agree with those stances. So this is more about like someone that's like taking your child to like political rallies and like really getting right, into right. that, you'd be yeah. like, fuck off, dude. Like if just you're taking your child person. to a political rally on either end of the spectrum. Yeah, you, you're, you're, you better have a really good reason for it. And it better be like the right kind of political rally, like a local, a local ticker tape parade with like a speech of the mayor. And that's yeah, I was going to say, if it's, if it's like this dude's really cool, he's funding your kid's school for city council and you want to go there. That's fine. If you're like, we waited six hours in the snow to see insert, hyper liberal or like hyper controversial liberal or conservative presidential candidate here i'm gonna be like yeah you're a fucking idiot like like, (laughs) chill out um but yeah i loved i loved those two pieces because they're like kind of moving some pieces around the board they're letting homelander like they keep letting homelander move the line for like what is okay like at first he was allowed to say more stuff like he was allowed to like really speak his mind and now he's allowed to just like kill someone on fifth avenue and get away with it it's like oh yeah. fuck like now what 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 does a guy like that do next so oh, it's such a great wait. way to end the season and the fact that ryan has like a slight smile like uh like damien from the omen oh dude such it, a great it, it breaks my heart so much that ryan has like turned into a piece of shit because like at the end of season two he you, you have so much hope for him that like he's gonna be on the boys team he like fr- he like you know hurts uh he like fries uh, Stormfront and like he's fought Homelander a little bit in order to like save people he cares about but like after Billy like shuns him like now he's like full on Homelander bro and you're just like no we've let Homelander have a child this, <laughs> this is not good at all yeah that I have to go back to what I was saying about you know the the beginning yeah, of the yeah. show and the reason what I didn't like about the beginning of the show so when starting any story having you know high stakes that are both that are you know a, a hurdle to overcome but they're also deeply personal to the characters is like that's how you get a hook right um this story has both of those you have the uh you have our basically our main character huey watches his girlfriend basically explode right in front God, of him dude, how fucked hand. up would that be dude like how yeah. fucked up would that be golly and a train you know the whole thing about just having to do the whole thing with a train you get like a small payout and you have to like hold you have to you know and you see a video of him in the nightclub being like bro the other day i ran so fast i ran through a bitch i had her teeth yeah. in my mouth dog you're like 
Ooh, and you can't yeah. do anything because you're like powerless compared to this guy. Like he's a god to you. You're like, oh my yeah. god, dude. And the whole how, how you know the whole translucent scene and how they ended up with translucent and they had to get rid of him. The first two episodes of this show does a tremendous job of giving you something to really care about that would take a a regular Joe off the street to start trying to effectively fight superheroes, right? Yeah. His, his, just a tragic, tragic death, and the person who did it doesn't care. And then, and then he's kind of, he's almost got like a chain tied around him with this, uh, this translucent character is like now in the trunk of his car, and like, what is he going to do about it? So he's, not only does he have a reason to fight against them, but he has a, he's effectively trapped. And that just kind of like snowballs. And season one is like a series of snowballing events. And he, at a certain point, he can't get off the ride. Um, so I think in that regard, the the beginning of the show does a t- tremendous job with setting up all that stuff. Um, and so I was trying to figure out why did the first two or three episodes not completely hook me? That's the truth. Why did I have to go back and rewatch the first three episodes, I think at least twice, and I finally realized what it was. I don't like Huey. Yeah. I don't like Huey. Huey Huey is, I'll tell you this, Huey sucks in the comics. Like, this version of Huey is actually, like, significantly less annoying than, but he's still, not that he's not annoying, because he is. But, like, go read, like, the first ten, epi- ten issues of the comic, and you will be like, oh, my God, thank God they changed some shit around. Because this would yeah. be unwatchable. But, yeah, like, he's, he, he has a ton of, like decisions are made with him that you're just like what is going on here effectively there, there's a lot of things that that make a good main character and i think the i wouldn't say you have to have this but what seems to be a pretty easy get out of jail free card is a is a level of competence and at least one thing that you can that you can find endearing um it, there's i mean i don't even have to go down examples but like think about a story you love I guarantee you that there's a protagonist that is somewhat competent in something. And if you ask the people who wrote the show, or I'm not even going to say the comic because you pointed out it's different in the comic, but I would guess that they would tell you that Huey's competence is his courage. But to me, that's almost like a prereq to even being in the story. Like, I don't really consider that a true competence. And also, his courage or his the way that he's courageous is oftentimes met with like bitchiness and screaming about how he's courageous and how he wants to like help starlight so it just doesn't well and he's like a shit he's like a fucking piece of shit to starlight like starlight is the victim of like a horrendous sexual assault like a a truly like horrific life ruining yeah like ruin your whole like you've spent your entire life from literally like five-year-old little girlhood working towards this moment and then you get put in this horrific like situation like 10 minutes into it and huey's response to that is to be like you sucked a dick dude and you don't even really like me because you sucked that guy's dick he doesn't communicate with her about it at all they don't like have a conversation he's just like sees this, like, comes across this information and becomes a total fucking asshole and makes it about him. And it's just like, I understand. I'm not saying you shouldn't, like, have any emotions about that. Like, it's, it would be impossible to see a video or, like, you know, come to that knowledge without having any reaction to it, like, obviously. But his, like, complete, like, 
like 1990s rom-com ability to just like get mad without any communication about it is incredible and then he like completely like self-centers it to where it's like zero ability to give a shit about how that affected her and like it's really the damn the true victim of the situation was him because like now his feelings are hurt it's like god damn it dude like fuck you man like you don't even deserve starlight she's awesome like yeah it's it's all it's everything you just said and i even want to go as far as to say that there's a physical component to it because like when i watch a scene where huey is going to man up and he's going to help butcher do something or he's going to help mm do something i just watch it and i'm like dude he's so out of his element he's so like he's so his naggy and just kind of like small in the situation and has no competency like and i know that this would be going so far out of the way of like what maybe it should be but i mean even if they just added a backstory that was like he's in the you know uh reserves or maybe he was in maybe he used to be in the army and then he got discharged for something like give him something for make him just a little bit more brawny just a little bit because i just well, don't in, I, in the i comics, don't feel like, like i believe it at all that like this guy and again i'm talking specifically about the the show of course there's nothing believable at all about huey's toughness it's just i just roll my eyes at it the whole time the one thing i will give the comics as far as that component goes is that they're not taking on just the seven they're taking on like the entire superhero infrastructure and so there's like thousands of superheroes in the comics and so they start really small there's like local like superheroes in the comics effectively exist in parallel to the government like there's local superhero teams and then like regional teams and then like state teams and then like your big national like the seven right and so like at first Huey does have these reservations he sucks at everything but he kind of gets better at it as they slowly work their way up the ladder they're taking on like like effectively the teen titans of you know like they're taking on like those kind of then the x-men and then eventually, kind of like the the solo operators, the Batman, Spider-Man of their world, and then eventually the Seven, who are like held up as like the, the cream of the crop. Because wisely, I think, the show decided to hyper-focus on the Seven, and that's what the boys right. are taking on. We don't get any like testing ground for Huey, and so what we're effectively left with is that Huey's only real contribution is that him and Starlight have a relationship. Like, that's the only reason he really contributes to the team at all is that he's kind of has an in with Vought. Like, at first via his relationship through the whole, like, oh, I got to go there to do the thing with my, you know, the, uh, like, sign all this stuff for my girlfriend that they killed so I can plant a microphone. And then after that, it's, like, his whole, like, thing, willingness to, like, kind of leverage his relationship with Starlight. That's really why he's in the whole deal um because so if they want to the, do that i sorry to interrupt but no, if they want to do that i don't i would have loved to if they established huey basically you could even use the same actor and just say he's like an incredibly competent almost not, maybe not even manipulator but what if he was like in sales and he was just a, a charmer and that was his thing like he sure. he charms starlight he charms people at vaught he charms maybe he charms the congresswoman uh, newman right into getting into that position but instead it's like he just falls ass backwards into everything yeah he definitely just like mediocre fails his way up to where he's like in an incredibly important government position and he nags <laughs> like, the whole time and he's just yeah. super nag he's not even like a cool guy that falls ass backwards into it he's just very naggy and it doesn't it, again it just makes me feel like and i understand having a character that is as much 
quote unquote, one of us as possible and have him kind of be an everyman. But when it's to the point where he's just unlikable by the audience, that's a problem because he's going to, he's going to have so much screen time that it's going to make me not want to watch him. Now I'm, I'm too far deep at this point, but when I first started the show, I was like, man, is this the main character? Like, this is going to be really old really fast. I kind of keep hoping we'll arrive at some point where Huey has kind of found his footing, but we're still kind of not there. Like, even three years in, I don't feel like Huey is, like, totally... Like, I want him to just kind of arrive at a point in the show where we're kind of, he's kind of like, look, I've, I'm, I killed Soldier Boy. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just like, he has yeah. enough under his belt where he's like, nothing phases him anymore. Because um, I feel like he's still kind of the kid, you know, in that hallway with... Uh, I always forget what's his name. The invisible guy. Translucent. Tran- that, the, in that hallway with Translucent with the detonator in his hand, like trying to decide if he should or not and like shaking and like Translucent's talking shit to him and being like, I'm going to squish you. And then he finally blows up and the blood's all over him. He's like, huh? Ah, ah, yeah, that's like, a little bit He's much. still that guy. Like he's still that dude. Even though he's been through all this crazy shit, you're like, dude, harden up a little bit. Like, at some point a callus forms like that's yeah. just the nature of being a human he's like, like he's got he's gotten like five percent tougher since the show started and yeah. i just wanted to clarify about what i said about putting making him like an army person you don't have to do that i'm not saying that that's not possible i'm just saying from a physical perspective the way that this actor portrays huey and the way that huey's personality is again i keep saying the word with the nagging but like the shrill arguing all the time especially with his girlfriend just not like always arguing with butcher but almost he's always arguing with butcher like he's a level below him and i understand that's supposed to be a little bit of the dynamic but again you'd think at a point he would be able to take reins of the situation and we really haven't seen that um and it just even to this day huey's less annoying than he was at the beginning of the show but he's still a pretty annoying main character well as long as they take they don't do the original ending which is uh after that all that white house black noir homelander shit the butcher decides that he needs to tie up all loose ends so he kills the entire team one by one and him and huey have a fight at the end of the last issue of the comic and huey kills butcher by throwing him out a window onto a spiked fence and then as he's dying butcher's like eh, you finally did good mate <laughs> and then dies and then huey walks oh. off into the sunset <laughs> so Dude, it's that that's a little bit like and again I'm I would imagine the comics are significantly better than Ready Player One, but it reminds me of Ready yes. Player One just in the simple sense that it's a great premise that has some execution, some bones of an execution there, but the it sounds like the creator just could not help themselves from just yep. inserting way too much cringy stuff. It just goes to show you like Getting a movie deal isn't about writing a great piece. It's about having a great idea. You know what I mean? Like enough of a structure and a vessel to where like another creator could can be like, I could see myself doing something cool with that is all you really need. And then you get a bunch of money. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, man, I'm super stoked. I can't wait for season four. Um, what do you think is going to happen? I'm, you know, I'm very, I, I have not, I have really fallen off of trying to predict what's going to happen with this show because like, I I had like a pretty solid timeline of predictions for this season and they totally obviously with like bringing Soldier Boy back and all this shit like that's totally from left field like complete creation of the writers. So um I think we're going to see the beginnings of kind of the Homelander like coup plot. Like he's already kind of taken Vought. I think now he's going to try to take political power. Um yeah. 
And we're going to see agree. maybe – I would love to see like a uh, – dude, if if during a real American election year in like 2024, if we get Homelander running for president in the season five of The Boys, <laughs> it'll be so nuts. Like it'll be so crazy. Just total theater. Um, but we've, it's going to be interesting. People are going to put together clips of him and Trump like at rallies saying oh my God, similar things. It's it's going to be nuts. It, uh, and, and by the way, that's not me being uh, like – pinning that on him the home the the showrunners have literally said we are painting homelander as trump like that is our stand-in yeah i mean it it would be difficult to given given the chosen branding of homelander it would it would only make sense to make him like the most bombastic like pro-patriot guy and populist yeah like like crazy populist yeah um and trump is is certainly like the populist of our time so it, it makes sense and i think they've done a tasteful job with it i don't think that they've done like i don't think they've gone overboard and made it unenjoyable so yeah um, they're not like saying things about you know very trump specific like about no. my house in mario lago and looking at the camera and winking they're not doing stuff like that right but yeah yeah agreed so we we're, um it's it's gonna be an interesting year of television man we've got we're like three weeks away from uh, Amazon's got some heaters coming up. They put a lot of money into so Rings of Power starts in September. Yep, we're gonna do an episode on that for sure. And then the boys come out like uh, next year. So like I'm sure that like by the time the first thing of season of Ring of Power ends, uh, the boy the hype for boys season four will be ramping up. So yeah, yeah, man, Amazon really pushing, dude. Like all these streaming services are crazy now. Yeah, did you hear that Walmart wants to have a streaming service now? Yeah, fuck off. What's that going to be? Just like <laughs> like the, all those so bargain mad. DVD, <laughs> that bin yeah. they have, they're just going to like digitize like, that shit and throw it up. Homeward Bound 3 or something like that. Oh my God, dude. Like all <laughs> the four time all, eight. All the, all the Jarhead sequels you didn't know you needed to see <laughs> that missed the point of the first Jarhead. Like, Miss Congeniality 3. Oh my God! Yes, dude. Legally blonde um, to or legally blonde. Uh, double. What's it called? The double trouble. Legally blondes. Yes, twins. where it's like a it's twin actresses and and neither oh of them are God. fucking Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> How many Airbuds do we need? Well, I don't know. They'll answer that question for us, I guess. Absolutely, um, absolutely. My my so. prediction for season four, um, I think that either either season four or maybe after that, I think that Ryan. That's his name, right? Homelander's son, Ryan? Yeah, yeah. I think Ryan is going to become a superhero, and he's going to be a sidekick. Um, Nice. In the comics, as I understand it, Soldier Boy was a, kind of like Link in Zelda, he was a figure that wasn't necessarily the same person the whole time. Yeah. Uh, Kind of like Captain America, I guess. Um, And I think that they could make him Soldier Boy. Now, they did take down the Soldier Boy statue at the end of Season 3, so maybe they won't go that direction. But I think that's going to happen. I think, as you said, Homelander's going to try to get into politics. I could see us getting, because he's such a big actor and he's not dead, I could see, um, help me out with the actor's name, the uh, the, the, the guy that was the CEO of, of Vought, um, who's oh, in the, from, uh, Breaking, from Breaking Bad. Bad. Um, his, his name in the show is like uh, uh, Stan Edgar is his name in the show. Yeah, I'll just call him Stan Edgar. I now, I will say that in, in the comics, there's a very cool dynamic where, like, the CEO of Vought, who we never hear the name of, he's, like, a very shadowy figure, he, like, grooms this female uh, assistant to take his place, and he eventually steps aside and lets her become CEO of Vought because he knows from his, like, connections inside the government that, like, a bunch of shit's going to come down. So after the whole Homelander thing blows up, Vought is, like, put on trial, and, like, they're, of course, like, he's positioned this female CEO to take the fall. Like which is kind of what he did to 
or no, he didn't really pull that, but he he Matt might have pulled it because you know Victoria That's what Newman I'm is like they're they're putting they put this like complete dumbass in the CEO spot. They let this chick that used to run like effectively like PR for like a couple of the heroes. She's now the CEO of the entire company, which like not a not a career path I could foresee actually occurring. So like I feel like they're setting her up to be that that character and Stan Edgar yeah. is like although he's dead so like he's uh yeah we'll see what happens oh he's not he is dead didn't uh didn't homelander kill him no stan edgar got um he stepped down as ceo because victoria newman came after him that's right that's right that's right right, right. yeah um so he's still alive and so i think that he'll under some capacity either try to come back or help the seven or something like that so that's kind of my third prediction and then my fourth prediction, and this is, I'm kind of, you know, annoyed that I have to even say this. I don't think we've seen the last of Queen Maeve or of Soldier Boy. I actually loved Soldier Boy in this season. He was one of my favorite parts of the of the of the season. I loved Jensen Eccles. I think is his name. Did he did a great job with that? Uh, his home on AD is incredible. By the way, if you haven't seen that, um, so yeah, I. I in a way, I would like to see Soldier Boy come back for that reason, but I also hate fake character death, so I kind of want to see him done for a while. So, um, you want to read some bad reviews? Let's do it. Bad reviews, bad reviews. I feel like these are like going to take uh, again, like two very specific forms, and a lot of them are going to be like one side or the other, politically tainted. I'm offended by this. Ninety three on Rotten Tomatoes, though, which is great to see. That's about what I expected, I would say. This guy gave it a half star, and he loved the show until there was an orgy scene. Keep the pornography on Pornhub. Dude, did you miss the scene, like, before that, where the dude was crawling around inside another guy's dick and he exploded? Like, Yeah, there's lots of sex scenes, like, very early on in the show. Very yeah, man, that's, early on that's a show. That's a bizarre reason to hate this show, I gotta be honest with you. Like, if that's, like... I, I don't like watching stuff like that, and so this isn't your show. Cool, but this guy's like I loved the show up until that moment. That was almost tame by yeah. comparison to a ton of other stuff. One person gave it half a star and said painfully juvenile series. Cool, great, okay, good thoughts. That, that gives us nothing. Real I mean, contribution it, to it, the yes, discourse. It, it, is it juvenile? Yes, it is juvenile. It is like outrageous, but that is the style of the show. So. I don't know, like, it, maybe it's not your thing, and maybe you give it a, a one- or two-star review for that, but also keep in mind that, you know, I would say that means about, you know, one out of every ten shows, movies, books are not never going to be your thing, so that's okay. I mean, it's not for to each their own, I guess. Yeah, so far, all I've seen is just, like, very bog-standard. I either don't like the sex in season three and it was too much, or they make Republicans look bad. Yeah, yeah. that's what we expected. Okay, okay. The Boys Season 3 Review. Um, sadly, The Boys caved into woke identity politics in Season 3. <laughs> Episode 1 had a small woke comments here and there. No big deal breakers yet. There was some surprisingly conservative themes as well, such as Starlight not wanting to be objectified. I would say that kind of plays both sides of the aisle. I mean, I think people in general don't want to be objectified, but uh, yeah. Anyways, you know, she didn't want to be, she didn't want to dance and sing in a suggest suggestive manner season one blah blah blah. uh he goes on to say if you don't want to be preached at demonized made to be something you are or just don't want to support a show that pushes woke politics i'd give the boys season three a hard pass 
it's a pompous, rich, white, self-loathing Hollywood ideologues displaying how out of touch they are with how people really believe. Dude, that's kind of like, that's what VOD is supposed to be. VOD is supposed to be the out of touch Hollywood ideologues. So again, it's kind of what we were saying earlier about if you're going to harp on it for maybe being too hard on, you know, conservatives, like they make fun of woke politics the entire show. Yeah, they're, they're equal opportunity. Also, like, stuff like this is so bizarre to me. Like, this one is another one very similar where it's like, um, we all know what the writers really think about conservatives in America. They make us look like shit, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I understand if that's your perspective, you're allowed to have it. This year at CPAC, they put up a giant banner that said, we are all domestic terrorists. Okay? Like, you have, you can't blame... Someone who's like not on, not in that world. Like if you're not a deeply involved, politically active conservative in America, and you from the outside looking in see the biggest political action convention for that side of the aisle in the country, put up that banner, everyone cheers, and now you're watching waves of people talk about defunding the FBI, and then you satire that, and of course that doesn't that doesn't cover everyone. There's millions and I would say the majority of conservatives do not fall into the like CPAC extreme. I would say you have to be kind of a more extreme person to participate in CPAC, just like you have to be more extreme to be to in, uh, attending its counterpart on the left. But like, that's the kind of person they're satiring with this kind of stuff. It's not like, Hey, you think we should, you know, balance the budget. <laughs> We're here to make fun of you. I don't think that's, that's what's happening. So like, if you see the stuff in the boys where they're like, hey, look, there's some fascist shit going on, and you're like, oh, here they are making fun of me again. I'm almost tempted to be like, bro, I think that tells me a lot more about you than it tells me. It's like whenever someone is like the exact same kind of offended about like the woke culture stuff, it's like I never get offended by that because I never am out here yelling at anyone about that kind of thing. You know what I mean? So like when that joke is made, I'm like, well, that's not about me. So like I don't need to, I don't need yeah. to get mad. Um, right. If if they're like making fun of Nazis and you're like, oh wow, I'm very you you're just going after me. It's like, hmm. Do you do you want to tell us something? Like it's very strange. This is very it's kind of like getting mad at South Park. Agreed. South Park pisses everybody off. They they have never left anyone out. <laughs> like they will they will go to the ends of the earth to punch down up every direction on everyone, regardless of their ilk, even their own shit. Dude, they got excommunicated from the Mormon Church. <laughs> like. I would say this. You are allowed to be offended and say, this is a... The Boys is nuts. So I will yes. say, if you wrote a review and said, it's one out of five stars because I find it offensive as hell, that's fine. But don't sure. add a comma to X group. Because it's it, it's offensive to you know both ends of the huge political spectrum, right? I mean, it, there are groups it doesn't go after, obviously, but... Give it, give it a few more seasons, and I'm sure they will. Um, here's a review that is not politically charged. Two nice. stars. I had to go up to the two stars because all the everybody that was angry about yeah, them we are, we are on like self filtering for like the most angry people, which is probably yeah. you only get this angry about television if it's like <laughs> this politics yeah, yeah. for sure, for sure. They say it's so frustrating. They don't leave you anyone to side with. The good guys are terrible, and the bad guys are just as bad. You want to see the good guys or whatever cause win that doesn't really make any sense but i'll keep going if i wanted blurry confusing hopeless world where there is uh if there's any good people and they're quickly corrupted and become bad i will stick with real life point it's a very pointless show no one wins i think that's yeah and eh, that's like i i don't know i i, I have mixed thoughts about that i understand 
kind of being like there's no real winners here but i think that's also again part of the theme of the show a little bit um agree they talk about that all the time you know you have to do bad things to bad people type deal and they're not saying that butcher is a good guy they're not i think it's, they go out of their way to say he's not um character development is weak this is a different review character development is weak kind of disagree with that plot line doesn't make much sense especially with how the superheroes powers sometimes work and otherwise and sometimes they don't conveniently work okay that is just somebody that doesn't understand how compound v works that's fine um it seems to be going for shock value at the expense of actual writing there is moments where that's true so that's a somewhat valid sure. two star yeah they definitely um, like go for these moments of just like oh, i can't believe they're doing this which that's kind of their brand i get it do people hate the finale which i'm like I guess I just view it as like one long narrative way more than I view it as like these seasons where it's like the the finale has to be this huge banger. Like I, I didn't care that much that like the final fight between Homelander, Queen Maeve, Soldier Boy, etc. Like that didn't bother me that much. But there are people on here being like one star review. This was a five star show. I would have given it five stars until that one episode. It's now ruined. I'm never watching it again. And I'm like, damn, dude, like. I did not care that much at all. I mean, I didn't think it was that great. Like, it didn't, like, stick out in my mind as, like, a a better-than-average episode or anything. But, like, I'm still going to watch season four, like, of course. Yeah. The one one thing I will say about these one- and two-star reviews that some of them are pointing out that is in that same vein that I think is somewhat fair is people are saying they're a little bit disappointed in just how the action is like when they have action, it's not that action packed. And obviously that's not the point of the show that it's, it's not, it's not a, you know, CGI fest. It's not a Marvel movie. Yeah. But I will say, if you told me that season three is going to end with a fight between Homelander, Queen Maeve, all these different superheroes, I would be like, damn, that's going to be pretty nuts. Like flying around the city and stuff. But it kind of was more like a CW show, like walking around slowly around a room, punching each other. And this is less about, I'm not saying there has to be a CGI fest, but from a writing perspective, I was really disappointed to see that Homelander was, I was expecting Homelander to be kind of like Superman and to be almost unbeatable, but you kind of walk away from that being like, he's more like Thor in the movies in any way. It's like beatable, like definitely beatable. Like you get three people like Maeve and they would be, they would kill Homelander, right? So I was disappointed to learn that Homelander wasn't nearly as strong as we he had we had thought he was. So it's again it's less about the CGI and more about just a letdown of like the power scale a little bit if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean I think we've had clues into the fact that Homelander like Superman we've seen Superman like change the fucking spin of the earth and shit. Like Homelander can't pick yeah. up a plane. So like you know, I mean, he's strong. Don't get me wrong. Well, he but. said he couldn't pick up a plane because he thought it would break, which kind of makes sense. So I, I kind of threw that away. He, he, he I think that line away. he would get absolutely waxed by like the vast majority of like the other Superman stand-ins. Even like a uh, homeboy from Invincible. Invincible. I can't remember his name. That dude would fucking wax Homelander. I mean, ultimately, Homelander is not a otherworldly superhero right like he was created by humans you know what i mean like he's a science project and so like while it's crazy that he's been created he isn't like beyond the realm of human understanding you know what i mean like so yeah i mean it's a. Uh, but i get it i definitely get it like it's it is a huge showdown and people wanted more than that and they didn't get it and so that was very disappointing to them it does clue me into the fact that there are people that are watching this show for very different reasons than i am you know what i mean like there are people that do want a Marvel type fight out of this show. And I don't think they're ever going to get it. Like, that's just not, 
it's that we never get one of those in the comics. Like there's never a huge, like cool drawn throwdown between a bunch of superheroes that never occurs. And so it would surprise me if the show went in that direction. I don't think they want to. Do you think there's weak character development? Cause I see that a lot. I see that a lot of like two and three star reviews of people that are trying to make a point. So it's like, it, in other words, the kind of level headed reviews are like, I don't feel like the character development is very strong. Kind of what you're saying about Huey. I would say with Huey, yeah, I would say yes with Huey, but like with, I think Starlight's had good character development. A-Train. I think A-Train's having A-Train really good one. Is do, they're doing really well with him. The Deep. Um, it's so kind of like really, a weird character development, but deep has, the Deep has one for absolutely. sure. It's, like, it's, it's very spotty, right? Like certain characters, I think that they've done tremendous jobs like developing these characters over time. And other ones, like Billy the Butcher is effectively like a... He's he's he he is a comic book character both in the show yeah. in the comic like he does not change. Um, so yeah, I, I could understand that being an issue for people, especially with Huey because he is so center stage the entire time. Um, but I that is not a uh, that is not a criticism I would level at the entire show certainly. As far as character development, I have a hot take. This is like a Max Kellerman hot take. This is, or a Skip Bayless hot take. I don't know if there's any real standing to this. I don't even know if I believe it. But we got hints in the last episode that because of Homelander's lack of family and how that's clearly something he desires, especially with um, his son, Ryan, and the way that he he legitimately protected Ryan and went for Ryan and was like making sure he was okay, that is like a glimmer of humanity that we haven't seen in Homelander. And I could see one of two things happening. I could see Homelander, like something happening to Ryan and that sends him over the cliff and he becomes like an actual, like completely evil, devoid of all human emotion. As Mark Jackson would say about LeBron James, no regard for human life. Um, But I think there's another scenario that could crazily enough happen where Homelander eventually becomes a good guy. And I don't think that's going to happen, but I'm saying there is. we went from that being a 0% chance to about a 5% chance. So remember I said that. Yeah, I think ultimately I think Homelander is broken, and I think that's what makes him such a good character is that we're like get yeah. to see his trauma and play out. And I think he's – I think he's more likely to impart that onto Ryan and create like a – another generation of trauma that is how trauma tends to work is that it's like past generation to generation and ultimately i think we're going to see a showdown where butcher has to like kind of choose you know what i mean like does he he has devoted himself to taking out soups he hates soups on this visceral level and now someone who he has considered a son like is he going to take him out and i think that's what we're going to ultimately get to but it's interesting to see because they are like playing with that a little bit for sure um, and they've laid the seeds of like Homelander's desire for family and like more like deep intimacy uh, in a family type sense for a long time, like going back to the Stillwell character arc. So it's going to be interesting. What do you got it as a rating? I would say, uh, you know, it's tough. TV is such a huge wide thing. Uh, it's, it's not like a Sopranos or the wire. Um, I would say that it's like, it's so funny. I've been rewatching Game of Thrones, and it's thrown me so hard on TV. It's like the first couple seasons, you go read oh, stuff about so those good. seasons, and it's like there are people that legitimately thought it was the best TV show ever made. Like hands down. Oh, dude, the, the first like two or three seasons, made. I was I was like, this has a chance to be the best show of all time. And then and then now, like literally, people don't even rewatch it because they oh, know how it ends, and it's yeah. so bad. Like I've I'm pretty much I've already decided I'm pretty much going to stop my rewatch at like season five. 
like when it starts to get bad. But yeah, fascinating. Um, I'm going to give it like a solid 8.7. Um, there's some issues here and there, but ultimately, like I love the concept. I love how they've played with it. I think they get to like delve into so many fascinating issues with like our celebrity culture, like clout culture, um, the like kind of deeper societal issues around like kind of looking for a hero to save you and like the commercialization of our values and things like that through the lens of superheroes, which are kind of human embodiments of like our, our goals, our values and our ultimate like versions of things. Um, so I think that's really cool. And I think the writers have done a tremendous job like working with um, not just like doing a faithful adaptation, they've gone far beyond that in taking the the basic concept that was laid out in the boys' comics and, and doing something much better with it. So, yeah, I'm going to say somewhere between an 8.5 and, and a 9. It's one of the best TV shows currently on television to me. Yeah, I'm going to give it... I agree with everything you said. I'm going to write it lower, though. Um, I'm going to give it like a 7.8 for now, but I think it could get a lot better in my mind. I just have these moments of with certain episodes where I just find myself being ready for the current arc to be over. And, and I think that again, goes back to not, not totally being in love with certain characters. Huey. I I like generally starlight again. I'm just not like totally drawn to her though. Like I think her arc is okay, but I'm not drawn to starlight in any way. I'm not drawn to mother's milk. Right. I, I do love butcher. Every time that butcher's on the screen, every time Homelander's on the screen, even a train's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. the the deep is kind of like sometimes he's I get a sick annoyed fascination, with the deep. dude. He's a sick, sick fascination. fascination, but it gets old after a while. So there's a few characters like that. Funny enough, I find myself enjoying some of the little Vought sub bars. Oh and, yeah, and I feel like we lost sure. a lot of the Vought characters that I loved. I I loved uh, Madeline Stillwell. Stillwell was awesome. Even Stan Edgar was awesome. I don't love the chick that they have in charge right now. No, uh, I don't. I liked her how she was in season one as like a, just like a, like she was a low on the totem pole. Yeah. Know, and I, I love how she kind of represents that like corporate wokeness, like paying lip service to social justice while actually just being a complete piece of shit. I, I love that where she's just like, Oh my God. Yes. Queen. Like <laughs> that's just like the worst kind of just like fake care about another human being. She's really good at that. And, they used to have all those really good scenes where it'd be like the the group of writers in the room, like them pitching like the next movie or whatever, and it'd always be like really fucking awful. And you and the heroes would just be like, great, like we need. Yeah. I hope they get back into some of that. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I had it as a seven point eight, and again, just to kind of as I think about it, I just when I think about what should be like a nine point five or a nine point three after three seasons, I think about things like game of thrones or the first few seasons of house of cards i thought were incredible you know really um and then for like an 8.5 8.8 for me three seasons and i think about like the sopranos or something like that so i cannot put this now there, it's, this is a completely different genre but in terms of how engaged i am when i'm watching the show and how much i care truly about the main characters uh i can't say that i do I th- again i think this has a this show could have an awesome ending for like the next two or three seasons and be incredible. And I could raise it a lot more, but right now I feel like 7.8 for me, it works. Totally fair. It's a good, it's a, it's a really good show. Um, yeah. I enjoyed it. I can't wait for season four. It'll be fun. Yeah. Homelander is crazy. They have, they have, uh, they've definitely like created a lot of 
the the comics created a whole world by basically just grafting their reality onto the existing comic book landscape, and these guys have created a whole like world by grafting superheroes onto our real world and I think that's a way more interesting perspective to take on it and so like I'm really interested to see kind of what direction they take that next it's super cool so amen amen if you like what you heard please like and subscribe and give us a rating but most importantly tell two friends we greatly appreciate that because it helps us grow and um, yeah gives us more opportunities to do things like we've been uploading on YouTube getting more interviews out there so the more support you show us the more support we can show you Once again, this is Novel Discourse. I'm Sam. I'm Andy. We'll see you next time. Peace. Peace.